Hello everyone and welcome to the That's A Wrap podcast. I'm your host Joe Downey. And I'm your other host Matt Parkinson. The date today is the 20th of June and the time we're recording is 1.13 and this is our 10th episode Yay! of the podcast. Milestone. <laughs> we'll clap for ourselves. The, the whole podcast is just going to be us doing that clapping noise. We have, we're not actually talking about any films today. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't know if this is going to matter at all, but I'm, I'm, I'm recording in my room now instead of the spare room because uh, my housemates are doing work. So if you hear any bed springs, any loud neighbours, any dogs, any uh, garden shearing, that'll be why. But, you know, it's nice ambience. I've tried to close my windows, keep all the noise out. Hopefully it should work. Yeah. Um, What's it on a uh, on Lomax's episode? You can actually hear birdsong. <laughs> really, it's like really, yeah. Because <laughs> because I guess it, would, it was still bright out. That's adorable. And then, and then on literally the last episode, we can't hear what she's saying, but your sister was chatting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. these these mics are really hypersensitive. I think. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, uh, do we have any yeah. admin to discuss uh, I, today? Just normal social media admin, really. Okay, just, um, yeah, the same stuff. Yeah. We're available on <laughs> Facebook, Instagram. You know where we are, just type our name, yeah, yeah, yeah. we'll be there. No, yeah, uh, uh, remember to follow our Instagram at TAW Podcast. If you want to ever want to suggest films and topics for us to talk about, our DMs will be open there. You can also check out our Facebook page if you type up That's a Rap Podcast or TAW Podcast. And make sure to give the show a like and share because it really helps us out. And we're also available on... What are we available on, Matty P? We're available on Spotify. Bam. Anchor? Yes, bam. I can't remember the other ones. There's some obscure ones that you're not going to get. Yeah, I, I know the big ones. That's Do the, do the big ones. Do, c- well, c- I know c- those are the two that I... <laughs> right. Spotify, Anchor, Breaker, Breaker, Google that Podcast, was it, yeah. Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Overcast, and Apple Music. So, yeah. Joe does all the, sure the techie to... stuff for our podcast. Uh, <laughs> Re- like, I, not a lot. I do uh, the beautiful like, artwork. edit the show. <laughs> uh, we should probably preemptively apologise for this episode. <laughs> it's, uh, it's our milestone episode. It's, it's fine, but, like, it's... Um, you know, we've had, even we've, not releasing on our normal day because of... We've had a few setbacks, setbacks you know, some uh, uni work some that we've good, had yeah, to do. Yeah, good setbacks, though. You, yeah, you're yeah. now a free man. I am a free man, yes. Um, you finished a grad. You've got a couple of weeks left to go, I believe. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I'm still filming my artifact. <laughs> but it's been about, I think, ten days or mm. just over a week since we've seen the three films we're about to talk about. Yeah, so, so we might be a hazy. bit less structured. And also, because our theme for this week is documentaries... Mm. And we want to I try think... and talk about them without spoiling too much. Like the yeah. first one specifically, I think, is hard to talk about without ruining it yeah. for audiences. But we'll try our best. We'll try our best. <laughs> like so, I think the only other do- documentary we've talked about previously is um, M- uh, "Mistaken for Strangers." And I um, think we, yeah. we did we did a r- relatively good job. But I think in general. With some documentaries, because they're so moment-based, it's hard yeah. to talk about without spoiling. Like, um, but yeah. we, yeah, we're not, we're not aiming to do that, so don't worry. Like um, with Mistaken for Strangers, it was easier because it was a much more chill-out documentary, and there was less, yeah. there were fewer bigger reveals that kind right. of are like, oh, oh my god, this is mind-blowing. It's more of just like a, a vibe. <laughs> of a it's documentary. a vibe. <laughs> That's the quote of the day. It's a it's vibe. A vibe. <laughs> But yeah, these these three that we're about to talk about are sort of more heavy in their subject matter than right. Mistaken for Strangers. Well, I mean, two of them are kind of... I mean, you, I was right. doing, doing a lot of preemptive, we can just talk about them. That's true. Um, I would say two just, of them are like heavy subject matter and one of them is a bit lighter, but also quite good. I forgot we have two more bits of social admin, folks. Oh, please um, do go on. Uh, so if you would like to keep uh, up to date with the latest films that we're watching both in and outside the podcast you can check out our letterbox pages at Joe Film User and Clappy P and if you would like to sponsor the show message us at our Facebook page or email me personally at joedowney280 at gmail.com if you go to my letterbox quickly you'll see that the most recent film I've watched is Professor Layton and the Eternal Diva I was about to ask you, what's the latest films you've seen lately? Because uh, Professor it's been Lee. a while. Well, so that was the last one I watched in full. And then last night, uh, my family and I watched a bit of a TV film called Abigail's Party. Have you heard wow. of that one? No. So it's a TV film by Mike Lee that's based uh, on a play oh, yeah. he did. Oh, boy. Yes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> no, because we... we <laughs> I love Mike Lee. Oh, um, yeah? Okay. Yeah, um, I, was, just... I, I know... 
Ruben, our friend, he's not a big fan of Mike Lee. Mm. He hates him quite... Well, not hates him, but... We talked about him very briefly on the first episode because... Did we? uh, Yeah, because Bong Joon-ho said if it was to ever be remade, Parasite, uh, if Parasite was ever to be remade, he'd want Ken Loach or Mike Lee Lee. to direct it. It'd be a much slower film if Mike Lee did it. It'd be like three hours long. Yeah. Oh. But, um... (laughs) But yeah. yeah, I watched Abigail's Party. It was interesting. I'm about two thirds of the way through. Um, it's quite excruciating to watch, but it's kind of meant to be excruciating. Oh, yeah. I won't go into detail because obviously it's not. I, the, I, but what about you, Joe? What what films the have most you? Recent film I watched was the Muppets movie, the the original one. Oh yeah. But I fell asleep. <laughs> Didn't you watch uh, Cheaper by the Dozen two as well recently? No, I watched that like a couple of months ago. And oh, yeah, right. Oh. still hung up on it. <laughs> I watched it at like the beginning of lockdown when we got Disney Plus. Oh, fair enough. Which ha- was kind of more the like salt in the wound because like gets <laughs> Disney Plus and watches Cheaper by the Cheaper by Dozen Two. How was the Muppets movie? Just oh, it's great. I, yeah. Oddly enough, it's it's a film that like I haven't watched all the way through twice now. Not for any particular reason. First time I watched it was with Matt Williams and Joss. Big up. Uh, we we watched it in his halls on a really sunny day on like a nice retro TV, but nice. like just to pass the time and because Matt loves Rainbow Connection, which is a banger of a song. But um, yeah, so I didn't finish it then, and I didn't finish it yesterday because I fell asleep because I my sleeping schedule is rubbish. I've never but... seen it, the Muppets movie. Yeah, because uh, your parents hate the Muppets. My parents hate the Muppets. Uh, <laughs> my mum especially really hates the Muppets. Uh, I love Teresa, but you gotta you gotta stop banning the Muppets. They're great. <laughs> we've we've never watched a Muppets Christmas Carol, and it's weird because everyone my age has seen it, and it's like a pinnacle part of the childhood. Yeah. And I never had that. <laughs> I think you missed out on a lot of childhood stuff. I do. Yeah, I had a, I apparently had a very different childhood to most of the people I know. I didn't have Lego Star Wars on PlayStation. I never had oh my God. Uh, Scooby-Doo live action. I never had Muppets Christmas Carol. I've had Monster Munch. Uh, you never had... Uh, to be fair... All right. I'll, 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 be, I'll be real. I've never had Monster Munch either. Oh, well, you complained at me for not having it. No, I complained at you for not knowing it. Oh, right. Fair enough. Because, <laughs> like... <that's> <laughs> like yeah <laughs> is it yeah i think what's it like kettle crisps are probably like the bougiest crisps and then monster munch and space raiders are like og crisps you're gonna you're gonna I never hate me ate any of them you're gonna hate me because i haven't heard of space raiders either i'm gonna dox you <laughs> you you for our listeners out there you didn't see this but joe just put his head in his hands had a li- he had a little moment. <laughs> what are right? This is what the podcast is really about. What are some of your favorite crisps? Uh, <laughs> I mean, you, you <laughs> shut up. <laughs> you can't really go wrong with Pringles, I guess. Uh, mm. Pringles are great. Walkers are overrated. They're just okay, they're just air. Enough. They are air. They're just air in a bag. Uh, kettle chips are good. I like kettle m- chips are great. They're posh, but they're great. If I want something that's like filling for a meal deal, I'll get McCoy's because they're just very uh, thick. McCoy- Do you want to know a fun fact about McCoy's? <laughs> Go on. It's, it's it, well in relation to me. I'm always busting out the fun facts here, but it's, this is more. This is the most fun. <laughs> <laughs> so in in year seven, uh, so I went to Westminster City School. Mm-hmm. It was this like all boys school, and um, I went for a year, and there was, it was it was rough. But anyway. Um, people would sell different food, right? Different foods on 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 the playground would shop different foods, and the highest commodity was McCoys. Nice. To the point where if if you were caught selling McCoys, it'd be like, "What? I'm selling McCoys. <laughs> Why are you selling, selling McCoys? McCoys? Legit. It was <laughs> like a, a fucking. A, it was a like commissary. <laughs> <laughs> you had your own like drug network. <laughs> like legit with food, and someone had a great <laughs> idea once. This this is how we should raise young entrepreneurs. Someone had the great idea on a hot summer's day of freezing Vimto and like melting it so it's like a milkshake mm. and they'd get loads of money for it. Like a slushie. I, yeah, I That's was always cool. terrible at this and I'm, this is why I'm, I'm going into an industry that doesn't make any money. Um, <laughs> so I, I tried to sell McCoy's but my RE teacher caught me and then I did have a good scheme of selling donuts. However, because I'm bad at maths and I was in year seven, I 
didn't know how profit worked and whenever I would get the money to have to just spend it on the donuts again and also none of this is my money so I'm asking my mum for money for donuts and then trying to sell them and then not making any money it's okay like when I was in year seven I didn't even know what the word profit meant right until I was taught like I was dumb so tickled <laughs> yeah sorry let's uh I think in this episode we should put a disclaimer of like episode starts at 11 minute 30 <laughs> Just so, like... I, in general, I don't think... A lot of people that don't know us, or don't know us that well, don't realise that I... Whenever I'm a ma- around Matt, I become brain dead. Yeah. And I chat a lot of shit. <laughs> Even if we're in a professional, like, recording podcast <laughs> environment, or on set, or anything like this, he could say the most articulate thing in the world, and I'd be like... <laughs> <laughs> Beans. <laughs> Beans. <laughs> it it kind of happens to me as well sometimes, but... To a lesser it, extent. Know. Anyway. But yeah, uh, that's that's our relationship. Um, <laughs> I've got a great note for this, this documentary. Yeah, so... Uh, uh, the, yeah. the note is, not sure how much we can say. Yeah, so if you... Because, do you want to give a quick introduction as of, yeah, of it? Yeah, so we can say what's in the trailer and what's been promoted, because, you know, that's literally all we can say for this podcast. Tickled is a, uh, about, is a film by a New Ze- two New Zealand documentarians, uh... David Farrier and Dylan Reeve, I believe. Yep. Um, yep. Uh, and basically, David Farrier is a very famous New Zealand journalist, and he was just looking around for fun stories, and one day he finds this uh, story about competitive uh, endurance tickling competitions mm-hmm. uh, in America, and he was very like bewildered by this and confused by this and asked the people that were doing it to, if he wanted to, you know do an article, make a story about this, because it's very weird. And they responded incredibly vile, and there were a lot of homophobic comments, yes. and just vitriol, and to the point where they were threatening to sue them, getting New Zealand lawyers, getting American lawyers, and this only just enticed the documentarians to go deeper into this weird, dark, strange world of tickling. Mm-hmm. And 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 the the fetish of it. It's it's um, it's weird, isn't it? Because um, one yeah. one of the things that we we both watched an interview with uh, David Farrier and Dylan Reeve, I think, didn't we? The the yeah, the one on Hot ninety seven. Yeah, yeah, and uh, one of the things they talked about was just the sort of fundamental concept of this endurance tickling as to whether right. it can be called a sport or a form of torture. <laughs> because yeah. I think depending on who you are, it can be considered both. Or right. one or the other. It's it's interesting. Like, what would you well, there's, call there's it? There's actually like no baseline sport in the actual film. They just wear sports gear, and they talk yeah. about how it's like not a sport at all, but yeah. it's been framed as this. And obviously, there's some darker underbelly to it. But it's it's yeah. interesting. Yeah, the people who run it, uh, you find out in the documentary, not to reveal too much, but they are no. very uh, disturbed <laughs> individuals, very twisted, psychotic, blackmail extortionist people yes. it's it's horrible and not to reveal too much but it's still going on to some degree i believe right yeah um yeah yeah it's man <laughs> uh what was i gonna say it's it's so twisted and it it's is somehow, twisted it's like a both a funny and tense film mm. what well, I, I remember what i was gonna say now uh this is a documentary where like i legit was just having my jaw drop throughout the film because it gets crazier and crazier mm. in, and obviously in a believable sense like this isn't I don't think there's a lot of fabrication in any of this or anything like that no you kind of um, you kind of trust the the directors yeah. of it don't you they seem to know what they're doing and they they seem Definitely to take considering the controversy that they, they get hit with later on in the film and they and... yeah and they take it quite well I think because throughout all this abuse and twisted yeah. goings on they they approach it with a very refined sense of wit i think they're they're very right. good at approaching i think the issue one of the themes of the film is like bullying and standing up mm. to bullies yeah because that's what they call the the person that's like tormenting them throughout mm. and it's yeah i think it deals with it very well it, um, yeah yeah and just going deeper that i was saying to you earlier i think there's kind of a weird toxic masculinity sort yes. of thing going on because uh there's in the interview with the director he was saying how uh, when he contacted these people, he got a lot of homophobic uh, yeah. comments coming back at him, even though he said that he thought this endurance tickling idea has a lot of 
kind of homoerotic Homer- undertones, yeah. does he? And I, I believe he is he's gay, isn't he? The, he's, the he's director. Bisexual. He's he bisexual. He's bisexual. Yeah. And um, um, but yeah, he 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 said from his perspective that yeah, this is like undeniably homoerotic. Yeah, and, and it's sort yeah, of yeah, I'm getting hit with like homophobic insults, and it hints at sort of the level of just insecurity that these people mm. have, and it's just yeah, well, it's it's about it's the whole thing kind of deals with like power plays. Yeah. Considering the people behind the the tickling, well, which sounds absurd saying out loud, uh, 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 <laughs> but under the tick, because it is this underbelly, it on the surface it gets perswept, like perceived as this funny like tickling endurance competition kind of fetish thing, but like the people behind it are just twisted mm. and ruin people's lives through getting them involved in this, and it's just it's such an interesting character study, and I. Yeah, again, it's fascinating because they they interview a couple of people. I think they don't interview outside me- of the competition and in the competition. Yeah, 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 yeah. They interview. I think I remember one or two people who were yeah. a part of it being interviewed. I understand why more people might not have wanted to be a part of it. It's oh yeah, it's horrible. But... One of the th- other things I saw in that I heard in the interview, which is very true, is that this documentary is good because there's not a lot of build up. It's like within the first you're ten minutes, in it. it's yeah. you're straight in it. It's very fast paced because how long is it? it's about 90 minutes i think isn't it this documentary yeah, yeah, roughly and it roughly. gets to the point very quickly there's no messing around it's like this is what endurance tickling is here are the people here's yeah. what's wrong with them it's it's great it's yeah it's not padding time yeah um so i haven't seen this film but apparently this film uses shane Carruth's score from upstream color okay which is a shane shane Carruth film um i guess for the people that are fans of that film it may be an issue hearing this score back in a different film but for me personally it wasn't an issue because i didn't i didn't know mm. um i, I didn't i didn't notice up, it. upstream color but yeah and it was produced by stephen fry this documentary yes, i don't well i don't know how how much on board he was for it. i don't know if it was like a executive producer thing or you know funding mm. or anything like that but yeah his his name is on it and he, he does like say like stephen fry presents yeah yeah um yeah um, there's really not a lot we can say without spoiling. It's honestly, we can only recommend it. I think yeah. it's it's not for the faint of heart. Um, it's still comedic. Like it's comedic, yeah. But once you sit back and look at it, it's right. horrible. Yeah, <laughs> like I, it's especially the ending. It's right. Yeah, just when you consider it as a whole, it's. I think it's an equal mix of like twisted stuff and comedic. Like it's not super disturbing to watch. It's yeah. disturbing the subject matter, but like. As in visually, like in, it's not graphic. No, no, it's not. It's not graphic, but the the subject matter. And I think, like like right. you said, a lot of it is comedic, and the comedic elements come from this sort of. They come from two things, I think. One is like just the novelty itself of right. endurance the, the tickling. Absurdity of the yeah. Yeah, and that's kind of it's quite funny because it's unheard of and a bit weird and. But then also the filmmaker's personality. Yeah, that's that's the second thing. Just how he approaches it with such yeah. confidence, I think. Even yeah. though he's taking all this abuse, it's oh, he does a very some, good job. At, at there's some points where it. they basically like become like secret agents and they have to like <laughs> hide in cars and put cameras. In it's, it's it's crazy. Tense. It's yeah. There's one point where they're like tailing some. They have to tail someone. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. And you can hear like the like the the director's like heavily breathing out of anxiety and. Mm. Man, I was heavily yeah. breathing out of anxiety because <laughs> it does progressively just get worse and worse. Yeah, it's isn't crazy. It? It's, it's... There's no point where it kind of peaks. It just right. progressively gets I'd more say... and more disturbing the more you find out. Yeah, I'd say, I don't think these two are similar, but I'd say like if if you're into the craziness of Tiger King, watch this because this yeah. is a crazy documentary. Yeah, it's not sensationalized like Tiger King. It doesn't like run up, run with the wrong messages or. And if you're, in, think, yeah. yeah. And if you're interested in documentaries about underlying conspiracies and yeah. major twists, then also check out Three Identical Strangers. Oh yeah, I would yeah, say because that's like that's one that starts off happy, but oh, oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I highly recommend Tickled. Where, yes. where can audiences see this map? Uh, it's on Prime, I believe. Okay. That's how I watched it. Uh, what to to rent or through Prime? I think it's on Prime. No, actually, I think I rented it but for not a lot of money. It, usually, things on Prime, when you rent them on Amazon, sorry, it's cost about three forty nine to rent, I think. Okay. This might have been a bit cheaper, and on YouTube, I think they're usually even cheaper. They're usually about two ninety nine, I think, okay. films. Uh, 
Yeah, I d- how did you watch this? I think we watched it on YouTube movies. Oh, okay, because I watched rented it. I watched it on Amazon, and I think it was about three forty nine. So okay, do you remember how much it was on YouTube? I can check. Okay. Uh, uh, two forty nine on YouTube, two forty nine on Google Play, and two forty nine on Amazon. Nice. Oh, okay. Yeah. It might have been two forty nine then when I bought it. It was it was a while ago. So you don't need to get that socially distanced coffee. Get that tickled. <laughs> <laughs> the that's coffee an, shops. That's are an open interesting up now. sentence. Well, like oh, just like coffee. the price of a coffee. Yeah. Oh. Um, I don't really drink coffee. There you go. That's a fact so about me for any listeners. I don't. Do you drink tea? No, I've never really been a hot drink person. I like a hot chocolate in the winter, but I'm more of a cold drink kind of guy yeah i've i've never really gotten into i'm just why, i'm padding ice, for time again iced, no 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 it's fine like <laughs> why try iced coffee maybe yeah i've i've tried it before i just i don't want to be someone who's dependent on coffee that's one of the things i feel attacked i'm not attacking you i'm attacking <laughs> other people who might be addicted to coffee M- matt i once was getting migraines and coffee may have mm, could have been a factor for it, but Absolutely. I remember once. I remember once having to wash down paracetamol with coffee. That shows how dependent I can be. on You also took coffee into a shower once. Uh, right? No, that was tea. That was <laughs> oh, tea. sorry, it's tea. I didn't drink it in the shower, but you took but it I... with you, <laughs> as if someone was going to steal it in the eight minutes it takes you to shower. <laughs> I'm sorry, we can cut this out if you want, no, if it's no, too I, embarrassing. Again, no editing happens on this <laughs> podcast, because it's garage band. Um, <laughs> um, oh my god, I have bed springs that are really loud, I hope audiences can't hear that. Um, but yeah, literally, like, there is not a lot we can say about this film without yeah. spoiling it. Um, and, like, coherence was a similar thing, but, you know, this is real life stuff, so... Mm. Yes. Legit, we we one hundred percent recommend this film. This documentary is great. It is. Go see it. Go <laughs> like, see it. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, the the other two I have like literally I've got two notes written on the second one, and I've got no notes written on Hoop Dreams. I have a few notes for Hoop Dreams. Uh, okay. Quite a few. Well, uh, I've I've got a couple of talking points for our next one, which is Tim's Vermeer. Tim's Vermeer. <laughs> I hope you guys are enjoying this. <laughs> This is our 10th episode. It may be a milestone, but, we, you know, sometimes life gets in the way. <laughs> we've gotten, we, a, we've we, gotten a couple of positive comments, I, I believe, oh yeah. haven't we? Yeah. yeah. I, it, I've said it before, I'll say it again. I'm incredibly grateful for everyone that's yeah. listening. Big up, no Rachel Mobley. <laughs> hey, big up, big up. Um, yeah. Everyone that's listening. Yes, of course, yeah. Um, it, yeah, it's... I love it. It's, I genuinely... I love just being able to watch films and chat about them and yeah. get recommendations and yeah. Tim's Vermeer. Tim's Vermeer. This is what's Tim's Vermeer about, maybe. It's a very nice documentary directed by Teller from Penn and Teller. Yes. And the, written the by Penn and Teller, and it's about this inventor called Tim Jennison, mm-hmm. who is uh, researching paintings by Johannes Vermeer, who did paintings such as Girl with the Pearl Earring. Yeah. and some other ones, and um, he's basically looking into these paintings because of how accurately they portray light and how light hits objects and how just photorealistic they look in the yeah. sense that not only do they look like real life, but they look like they've been shot on a camera. Yeah. And obviously Johannes Vermeer was around, I think, oh, God, how long ago was it? It was... Ah, uh, this is one thing I didn't ago. research. <laughs> I, I I think it was about 1600s, I, th- I think right. he was around. But uh, he was around in a time before cameras existed, obviously. Before, yeah, so that technology. made uh, Tim Jennison think, oh, how how did he do it? So he did some research and reverse engineering and found mm. a potential way that Johannes Vermeer had made these paintings. And I'm going to talk about how he's done it, because I don't think it's a spoiler, I think. No, it's, no. A, a lot of people have talked about it, but... It's uh, basically he uses uh, mirrors, a special combination of mirrors where it'll reflect the image that he's painting and the mirror sort of sits above his canvas and he paints around the reflection to sort of um, 
and then he ch- well, with with the image flipped upside down. So yeah, 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 yeah. He flips the image upside down, and it reflects. He has the mirror at like a forty-five degree angle, so it reflects, and he can look down on the canvas while looking at the mirror and sort of paint around it to ensure that it yeah. looks like the reflection. It's honestly, it's fascinating. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. it's, this it's, is it's, yeah. It's like so I I remember seeing someone saying. Um, I w- like thank God my hobbies don't last this long because <laughs> this guy paints this for a year. Yeah, well, about it takes him a hundred days, I think. Or well, no, because the whole process, because it, it says at the very end, I think he starts from initial research to finish. It's like yeah. he starts in two thousand and eight, I think, yeah. and it goes on till twenty thirteen, I think. So it's like five years in total. And a hundred days of actually well, it, not just painting. with the painting, but like reconstructing yeah, 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 yeah. the research and research. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. what he does and is it... so he finds out that um, he finds out how Johannes Vermeer would have painted one of his paintings of this room, mm. and he uses a thing called a camera obscura. Camera obscura, yeah, that's it. And it's kind of this lens that's suspended in the air that sort of the picture of the room in front of the lens is projected behind him upside down yeah. and then he uses the mirror thing again. Yeah. It's honestly it's great. This it is, makes you yeah. want to paint. I think this might be one of my favourite documentaries that I've oh, seen. Really? I I think so. Like it's it just it has all the elements of it that make a great documentary. You know, it's right. like it's it's educational, first of all. Mm. I learned a lot yeah. about Johannes Vermeer and his painting. Quickly quickly speak about uh Pearl, Pearl <laughs> Oh yeah yeah. About what I'll go with the yeah so uh, just a little side tangent so I I recently watched the film Girl with a Pearl Earring a Scarlett Johansson and Colin Firth film from a little while ago I wasn't a huge fan of it and then I watched this film and I wrote a silly little review on my little box saying that oh this film taught me more about Girl with a Pearl Earring than the film Girl with a Pearl Earring <laughs> even though this isn't even about Girl with a Pearl Earring. Pearl Earring. <laughs> And it's just a silly little thing, but it's true. Like I learned so much from this about the techniques yeah. and about the history, and about you know the context behind it. And then, aside from being educational, it's also very entertaining because it's very oh, streamlined. Yeah. You it's get funny. <laughs> it's very well paced. It's funny. The main guy in it is really compelling, and it's just it's a very emotional story as well because he gets so invested yeah. in this and and he's it, it's it's the idea of like seeing someone who's not a painter create this masterpiece yeah yeah so through just research and technology yeah so for me it ticks all the boxes of great documentary it's educational inspirational entertaining yeah um emotional it's just it, it's everything a great documentary should be i think right. and that's i loved it and also i like painting so <laughs> yeah, yeah i legit so like I find myself always suggesting double bills, but like <laughs> this, yeah. So I unintentionally watched Tim's Vermeer uh, one day, and then the next day watched Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Oh, I haven't seen like, that yet. I really want to paint now. <laughs> so like, if some, that I, if you want to watch a double bill about paintings, I would suggest that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it is really inspiring. It's and, it's amazing, honestly, from beginning to end. It's just you're hooked. I was yeah. Oh, I don't think I I'll be it. able to make like an oil painting to the scale that he did. But like no. the the little one he does of his dad as like a test. Yeah. It, it generally made me like, I wanted to see if I could do like painting like that. Also, like, I like, found out a little bit of information that they don't give in the documentary okay. that you need to do in order to reproduce this technique is that you need sure. a certain type of mirror to recreate this. Yes, a certain lens, right? It's not about, well, lens, it's about, like, how the mirror is made, because mirrors you'll have, some mirrors will have a mirror coating and then, like, a gloss finish over okay. it, and you can't use that to recreate this technique. The mirror uh, coating has to be on above the gloss, so that the reflection mm. isn't distorted and there isn't parallax. Uh, I found this out in like a, I think I was watching Mark Commode review this film and someone in the comments section said that oh, you need this certain type of mirror and I thought that was interesting. It's a little bit uh, of I wa- extra. I info. watched that review and Simon yeah. Mayer like after the description of this whole film he goes, but is it cinematic? Because this is all very <laughs> educational and like it is. It is cinematic. But it's still, I would say yeah. Uh, it's yeah r- incredibly interesting. Yeah, it's great and. So one of the other points I wanted to address about this film mm-hmm. um, was they, they bring up in the documentary some controversy about 
this method of painting because yes. they talk about how with this method of basically copying a reflection is it cheating almost because you're not really going from your mind you're kind of just painting a reflection basically or painting yeah. what you see over it and it's it's like an interesting yeah in it's, it's like tracing yeah and it's an interesting conversation um i personally don't art, think art critics hate, hate certain art critics hate this film yeah, I I can see why. I can see their point of view, but I personally don't think it's cheating for a couple of reasons. Yeah. One being that... Uh, what was I going to say? That I can hear my own voice echo on the... Th- <laughs> sorry, it put me off for a second. <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, um, so one reason, I think, is because even though it is not easier exactly, but clearer to paint using this method, it still takes a lot of time and effort yes. to paint this yes. way. It's tedious and it takes him like we said about a third of a year to actually complete this painting and i think the other reason is the way tim jemison tim jenison himself approaches it is that he doesn't just blindly use this technique without um critically evaluating it because he tries to recreate yeah everything in the thing because there's a really fascinating scene where he looks at the original painting and notices that there's a flaw in it due to how it's reflected there's like a part of a table in the shot that's like slightly curved right. outwards right that isn't supposed to be like that so he notices that and doesn't do it so it shows that he actually has a critical approach to using this method it's not just oh i'm gonna paint a reflection yeah, he's not winging it yeah sorry i've been speaking a lot i should just let <laughs> no, you know I, I the more the merrier seriously yeah like... honestly i i love this documentary a lot it's it's amazing it's yeah on it's for me i think it's like in terms of inspiration it's like nearly on the same level as like free solo of just like oh, right. you can do this you know maybe yeah. not as high because free solo is like life or death but in terms of like <laughs> going from nothing to you know recreating a vermeer or climbing a mountain yeah. it's it's inspirational as hell it's I, I, yeah. definitely if you want to paint yeah yeah like how is that for you um watching it yeah because obviously was... you've, you've been painting and animating for like how long now I mean, well, it's been a, For the grad. a few months, like, uh, I did a few paintings. I mean, obviously, the painting I'm doing are more, like, cartoon style. Still, it's, I'm yeah, not aiming like, for realism. But it's, no, no, yeah, but I loved it. It's it's something maybe I'd want to try, I think, recreating this technique. I need yeah. to get the certain type of mirror, though. Uh, yeah. But, yeah. I, legit, I, I wanted to try it out, but, again, you need a certain thing and also time. Also but, time, yeah. Yeah, I... <laughs> It definitely makes you want to paint this film. Yeah, um, it absolutely does. And it's interesting because he's not a painter. And yet no, he... it, it, that's great. It takes the snobbery out of it. <laughs> yeah. But I, I do kind of get what our art critics meant, but I, I do disagree with them a bit based on how Tim Jennison approached the technique yeah. and how others can approach it in the same way with a sort of critical eye and not just bl- blindly copying. Yeah, but, definitely. Yeah. Is there anything else you wanted to um, say about it? It's been so so long since I've seen it. Um, Fair enough. Yeah, it's just like... I saw it, yeah. Again, apparently this film is very controversial with art critics. Some art critics called it a stillborn simulcrum. Can't even say that word. Simulcrum? Yeah. And what does that mean? You told me a bit about what that means. Apparently it's a representation or imitation of a person or thing. And it's just just a bit of an antsy, snobby way of... (laughs) Just, yeah, I, I mean, on a technical level, they're so right. put so much effort into it. Like, <laughs> and it's great. It's a great painting. It is a great painting. The one he makes in the end, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think he takes the painting at the end to an art critic, and the art critic yeah. is very complimentary of it. He says, like, the certain textures of the fabric are almost, like, real. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's great. I saw this one a bit more recently than you, I think. Right. I saw it. About a week ago, I think. Because hmm. I kind of watched all these three films at a once. A week ago? Wow, this... Oh, sorry, time <laughs> flies very quickly. I, that feels yeah. like ages ago. Usually with <laughs> with the podcast, when we choose our three films, I kind of try and watch them yeah. at once, like in the space of maybe three days or two days. And I think the issue with me is because we have a rotor. Yeah. Like, I have to either pick one as a choice or, like, quickly watch them during the day yeah. when I have free time. With but... me, it's a bit easier because my family are usually working, so they only get to watch films, like, two days a week. So for the right. other five, I can kind of watch whatever I want. 
Have so, you guys watched anything recently? Or? Well, last night we watched Abigail's Party. That was kind of okay. our, our family watch. I was going to introduce them to the lobster, but my sister didn't want to. So. <laughs> You're showing your family a lot of weird films. My mum, I showed her Dog Tooth. She really likes it, uh, surprisingly. Yeah. 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 Anyway, so tangent. Just, is that Killing of a Sacred Deer? <laughs> I don't think I'll show them that one. It's a bit too no. far. Um, but yeah. Um Oh my god, who's slapped? Sorry, my housemates are just always... Whenever I'm recording, it's like, oh, let's make them the, the most noise. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, I, I find it interesting that this is Penn and Teller doing it. So Teller directed it, and mm. then Pendula um, narrates it. And they're, he they're does, close yeah. Friends I forgot about with, that. With Tim Jennison. I forgot that Penn um, narrated it. Yeah. They're just incre- Overall, this film has just like so many great personalities in it. I do like um, Penn and Teller. They, they have... Yeah. I like their dynamic. They have... A lot of charm, and I like. What I found they do. out that Teller's like directed plays now. He's like done Macbeth. Yeah, and, yeah. And yeah. Uh, what's the other one? Not te- Temptation, something Temptation. Tempest. The, the Tempest, Tempest, yeah, Shakespeare. I think. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. Dumb, dumb. But yeah. But I think um, this is his first film, isn't it? Yes. Or, yes. First feature done... length. Yeah. 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 Um. I yeah, I can't recommend it enough. Honestly, um, yeah, same. I've, I, I've, we, we, I don't think we have like any sort of duds or like kind of middle ground documentaries today. No, film, no, all of general. these are kind of amazing. Like other, especially the last one we're going to talk about, which is you know yeah. one of the most acclaimed documentaries out there. It, yeah, it really is. Um, so is there anything we want to quickly say with, to, with Tim Samir before we get into that? Or uh, I've gone through all my notes. Um, yeah, I've gushed over it quite a lot. How, how many how many hours <laughs> of footage, Matt? Oh, God. <laughs> Do you want me to say? Yeah. So apparently for this film, they shot over 2,400 hours of footage. This was now, a... the reason why we're cracking up yeah. over this is <laughs> because I went, went, went a bit brain dead yesterday trying to... Or the day... Was it yesterday? Yeah. Oh, Jesus, Jesus no, day before, day before. Okay, um, trying to do any notes for this, and I I found that they did twenty four hours, twenty four hundred hours of footage, but for some reason I just kept saying that. <laughs> it was like the only bit of trivia you could think of for the film. <laughs> yeah, and it makes sense. Like twenty four hundred hours again, that's like a hundred full days, and it took him yeah. about a hundred days to shoot this, so it makes perfect sense that. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. A film that has probably way more than that is our next film today. Good segue. Hoop Dreams. Hoop Dreams. This is an epic. Do you want to give a little description of Okay. Well, you know, what? I'll do I'll do the age-old thing of pulling up the Google synopsis and we'll see whether or not the synopsis is right. It disclaimer guys, Google synopsis uh, synopsi as as we've learned in previous episodes, they're not are always usually never right, especially for can... Polish films for some yeah, reason. And we can yeah. We can, we can, maybe it's due to like algorithm or something. I think it's just ignorance. Cause like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't, it's very weird when you go on Google is like, uh, in, in terms of how it collates information and Wikip- how it links Wikipedia and it's very weird. Anyway, mm. Google synopsis says every school day, African-American teenagers, William Gates and Arthur Agee travel 90 minutes each way from inner city Chicago to St. Saint, Saint Joseph High School in Westchester, Illinois. A predominantly white suburban school well known for the excellence of its basketball program, Gates and AG dream of NBA stardom, and with the support of their close-knit families, they battle the social and physical obstacles that stand in their way. This acclaimed documentary was shot over the course of five years. That's, they actually hit the nail on the head that's, this one. That's not bad, yeah. That's they actually pretty did good. accurate. Well, yeah. well, well, it only took ten episodes. <laughs> you, you've redeemed yourself, Google, after the failure of... What was it Ashes and Diamonds that just had Ash, the completely not even that, Akira. wrong? Akira, oh, Akira, one was yeah, rubbish. It was shit, yeah, yeah. I can't so, even remember. It was now like you just got to pay two. taxes, and then you're redeemed. I can't one. remember as far back as the Akira <laughs> episode, Joe. It was like eight episodes ago. It's so mad to think that so we were recording the first three episodes that weren't even online. Yeah. Way back in February, at before lockdown. Or at uni. And th- th- we were at uni. The whole year's gone by immensely quickly. I know. I don't like it. <laughs> ah. But it's, it's done now, so... But yeah. Um, this doesn't go by quickly. It's three hours. Yes, but... <laughs> three-hour documentary. It very much justifies its length. Oh, yeah. It, there's yeah, a lot five, going five on. Five years. Yeah. You know. I, it's great. I, I generally don't have a lot to say about it in terms mm. of... 
criticism or notes because I guess because of how I watched it as well because it is so long and I, I had other things like I had to do a family call in the middle of it so I had to like pause it and come back to it and it did t- I it took up all my day but I'm not complaining because it is there's, there's a reason why this film is like one of the most acclaimed documentaries of all time um because it is just an epic and it's just like the way it deals with the these families and their life and the, mm. again dreams dreams of being in the NBA and how taxing that could be um yeah there's a great moment and it's not spoiling it um again if in case anyone's worried is in general when you when being a basketball player or in any any sports the anxiety and worry of an injury and how that can ruin your career is just so prominent and there's a film called Waves which we've seen yes. uh, about wrestling and how an injury ruins a wrestling career and, and it, rem- it it hoop dreams reminded me of that in terms of the just the worry that you get from your family from your peers for just in general trying to have a career and just literally just being shut off or like immensely like dwindled because of an injury i i don't know like yeah that, that bit, yeah, yeah, yeah that bit was one of the hardest bits to watch it's it's painful it's you, like you see a knee surgery like a squeamish warning you see a knee surgery and it's well, it's interesting because yeah. if you think about when this documentary was released it must have been very bold because oh definitely this, this whole theme of um the sort of this unfiltered look at racial inequality in america up yeah. until very recently and even still now it's been quite filmmakers have been quite coy about tackling right. it as a subject right. i mean you've had some films that do it but sort of there's been an emphasis on it being part of history and right not maybe as many films showing it as a thing today that or well, well, i mean there like are they but fall they fall into tropes or no just like mm-hmm. in in terms of examining the themes of racism right. in america and the sort of racial yeah. inequality and if you think back in the 90s like this was released in 1994 i think and yeah it must have been even more of a sort of touchy subject matter to that people didn't want to approach. And then you get this sort of three-hour documentary, yeah. unfiltered, showing all that. And the fact that it's a documentary as well, like it's, yeah, it's almost just... better than fiction in a way, because you had yeah. a few films showing that. I know you had films like uh, Do the Right Thing was probably the most prominent one of yeah. being an unfiltered and Sp- look. Spike Lee appears in this. He does, briefly. yeah. Well, there are two Spike Lee moments that I noticed. Uh, in the oh, film. oh, what's the other one? So I think I mentioned this before. So there's one where Spike Lee uh, comes to the school to give a talk to all the students about how, yeah. you know, because they're black, they're not wanted. They're not need. They they just well, they, they just want to be used just to stats and success. Yeah, it's a very sort of cynical, very raw message that he's sending to them, and right. um, and the other Spike Lee moment is um, one of the guys. I can't remember if it's Arthur, is it Aggie? Aggie? AG. AG, sorry. Or William Gates. I can't remember which one it was, but he's listening to his radio at home and they play a clip from Do the Right Thing where oh. John Turturro's character is verbally scolding a black person by using lots of racial slurs and right. saying, like, go back to Africa. And it was just, it was interesting because they use that sort of audio clip from the film and say, like, you know, this is how America sees black people. Yeah, and it's, it's just it's interesting. Like the, the it's, way it's very just raw and unfiltered, especially... Yeah. There's there's some really like hard moments in terms of mm. just the neighborhood they're in and how that neighborhood can affect your family and and your and just the poverty in there. Mm. There's a moment where Arthur Agee's father just leaves him and and the first time you see him in a while is on the basketball court and you find out that it's because drugs are being sold there. Yeah, and it's like if you haven't seen your dad in that long, and then you see him. In a in a state of addiction, that that was just that was that was such a hard bit to watch, because mm. yeah and yeah and like in general, I with some documentaries uh, they have this thing for me called the queer eye syndrome and what I mean by that is I have it with queer eye and that's why I call it that is where I can't help but watch something and know that it's not necessarily a realistic moment because the cameraman is sat behind the person waiting for the person to react to the, like the, the host coming in or whatnot. Mm. But I think this film for the most part is very realistic and honest in, in its portrayal. There are moments where I'm like, okay, you're setting up. So there's an instance where, um, 
uh, one of the mums is reading a letter. She's holding out the letter and she's reading it and then it cuts to like a POV of the letter. Right. And it's like, I can see the setup there and I can see <laughs> when the, uh, the, the, the fake, quote unquote, fake moments. But yeah. Yeah. This, this film is, it's very raw and, and yes. it's very well intentioned. Yeah. Uh, but there are some just harrowing moments like that. Um, yeah, and it, 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 again, it's about dreams and and how and how it's life hard. can just it's hard yeah. to achieve those dreams, you know. Yeah, especially yeah. if you're, you know, black, pre- growing up in a predominantly white area, and yeah. Well, no, the, well, so, actually, oh no, but it was poverty stricken area, yeah. but like, and basketball is a predominantly black sport, but it's yes. like run all by white. Owners. Yeah, yeah, that was a point you wanted to make before, I think, wasn't it? Well, I, I feel like I need to do more research into it, but in general, because that's what Spike Lee was referring to in the sense mm. that there can be a lot of white managers that just want you to be a great boxer, be a great football player, be a great basketball player, and, you know, basically provide wealth for them because it's a business. Yeah. And and how fucked that is, really. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, it rings true today with, like, Colin Kaepernick as well, because, like he doesn't have a career now well he's he risked he risked his career uh speaking out against um police brutality mm. and be, because now because the the owners it, it, in general look up the nfl and how they dealt with colin kaepernick and how the managers were but yeah it's very indicative of what i was saying with basketball managers mm. and that in this weird position of power um, I don't know. That sounds rambly, but like, yeah. In general, it's it's. I need to look into it more. But it's it's very weird that these sports are just predominantly white owners and and how they just want stats, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, this film is very hard to get a hold of in terms of buying it. Uh, like, so I wanted to get it as a gift, and you can only get it in like VHS. Oh, really? <laughs> it's that old. What? No. <laughs> And and the when where I watched it, I watched it on movie. It was actually a restoration. Mm. So yeah, because I watched it on movie as well. I had to temporarily create an account, <laughs> uh, watch Hoop Dreams, and then cancel it again because I I can't afford to just yeah, seek <laughs> seek this one out. I yeah, the score is great. I like the score a lot. The score is well. good. Yeah. Also, fun fact about this film. Um, uh-huh. So this was I think uh, Roger Ebert's favorite film of the year. Yes. It came out. And the director of this, Steve James, later on directed a documentary about Roger Ebert called Life Itself. Life Itself, which you can catch on Canopy. Yes. And the other places. Um, yeah, I genuinely, I don't have a lot to say. And it's just a, an epic. It is. It's a, it's a beautiful documentary, yeah. isn't it? Um, I, I'm not sure whether or not to talk about like their life afterwards because that's it's not spoiling it, but it's you know. That's to be said in the documentary. I think, yeah, let, let audiences find for themselves um, how, how it think is. Where you, where you can get it in terms of streaming. Uh, I'll quickly look that up now. Uh, Amazon Prime, apparently. Um, but yeah. Oh, there's a question. Wait, it's on Prime? Uh, to, probably to rent, yeah. Oh, uh, what? I, why was I on movie? <laughs> oh, I guess it's money. It's free. Yeah. <laughs> um, Sorry, I'm just looking up any, any of the frequently asked questions for this film, but it's just like, why is it called Hoop Dreams? I mean, this is about their dreams. Basketball um, hoops, dreams. Yeah. Um, there is a great uh, list on Letterboxd uh, by uh, Adam Davey. Um, and if you want to hear Adam Davey talk about this list, uh, look up the Letterboxd show on uh, Spotify, and it's called Black Life on Film. Um, if you want to look up the actual list, go on Letterbox and type up Black Life on Film. It's a very extensive database of like three years of like he that he was working on for three years of Black Life on Film, and it's split into different subcategories. and And Hoop Dreams is one of the ones on there because mm. I like I don't, the film doesn't like overtly talk about racism. It just it just honestly just shows these people's lives in these neighborhoods and and how. Yeah. That's affected their careers. Yeah. Um, it doesn't show, like like you say, it doesn't show conflict, but it shows the aftermath of right. how racism affects these people. Yeah. I'd, 
going back to the the owners, the fucking manager in this was like J.K. Simmons. <laughs> yeah. I remember that manager being so harsh. Yeah. And it just like there's so much pressure in in sport. Yeah. It's it's. A I'm not sure if that's eye opening. Yeah. I I think yeah, like you said, I don't think it, that's a race thing specifically. I think that is no, like no, a no, competitive but I meant just sport in terms thing. Of, yeah, 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 yeah. No, I meant in, in terms of yeah, 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 of course, yeah. sport. Like this manager is Fletcher. <laughs> yeah, Terence Fletcher. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Um. What was I gonna say? I was gonna say something. Oh, I've just completely hit a mind blank. Uh, I've gone through all my notes. <laughs> I've completely hit a wall. <laughs> oh no. Terence Fletcher. I knew what I was going to say. No, yeah. Uh, I'm just trying to jog your memory. Yeah. Jesus. No, I'm, it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> On episode 11. Watch this film. He's going he's gonna to remember. <laughs> yeah, episode 11. I'll have all the hoop dreams facts. Yeah. Um, jet, like, legit, with all of these, it's a 100% recommendation. Yeah, definitely. Um... <laughs> There isn't a duffer amongst these films. A what? A duffer, a bad one. I've never heard that phrase. Uh, My dad uses it sometimes, I think. I I don't know if it's like a northern term. I think I remember what I was going to say. If you're you're currently watching The Last Dance on Netflix, watch this in terms of basketball documentaries and just learning more about basketball. Um, yeah, Yeah, if you like Last Dance, you'll like this. Um, it is three hours, but it's you know worth it. <laughs> yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, like I don't, I, don't, I generally I don't know if I could see this film being shorter. It would it would be a bit disingenuous, I think, if it was shorter, because yeah. I I suppose with documentaries in general there is kind of like they're all edited down significantly, aren't they? So yeah. you know there's always going to be something you're missing out on. But I think with especially as it takes place over five years, you kind of have to have it. Right. be quite long you know yeah apparently there was a academy awards controversy for this not being nominated yeah that's i was surprised when i found that out i it's very odd because it was like here, here we're gonna go we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna go on wikipedia guys because so. not only was it like the most acclaimed documentary of the year it was one of the most acclaimed films of the year yeah. like it's like i said before i think both roger ebert and gene siskel put it at number one for the mm. films of 1994. This is what I was going to say. I'm just re- going to read this um, yeah. segment from Wikipedia. So it says, When the film, along with the equally acclaimed Crumb, which is a film I really want to see, uh, a year later was not nominated in the Best Documentary category at the uh, of the Academy uh, Awards, public outcry led to a revised nomination process in the category, led by Oscar-winning documentarian Barbara Koppel. According to an angry Ebert, reliable sources says members of the Academy Documentary Nomination Committee had a system in which one would wave a flashlight on screen when they gave up on the film. What? 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 Yeah. Uh, and when a majority of the lights flashed, the film was turned off. Hoop Dreams did not even make it to 20 minutes. Siskel, while also objecting to Hoop Dreams being passed by for the nomination, said that it led to more widespread media coverage of the film. Bruce Davis, the Academy's executive director, took the unprecedented step of asking accounting firm Price Waterhouse to turn over the complete results of the voting in which members of the committee had rated each of the 63 eligible documentaries on a scale of 0 to 10. What I found, said Davis, is that a small group of members gave zeros to every single film except the five they wanted to see nominated, and they gave tens to those five, which completely skewed the voting, there was one film that received more scores of 10 than any other, but it was not nominated. It also got zeros from those few voters, and that was enough to push it to sixth place. And, what, and what was that film? I don't know. I'm not... It's not saying which film. Maybe... Oh, The Big Show, High Times of... De- oh, no, that's a book. Uh, I don't know, but I didn't... That's know fascinating. That would, I didn't know yeah. about this whole light thing. And that's it didn't make fucked. it past 20 minutes? Jesus Christ! <laughs> Superstar. Um, no, that's that's well, honestly like, very surprising. There's every year there's always a weird puff piece article of an unknown uh, Academy voter uh, talking about the films they hate and films they're not going to vote for, and it just shows how like fucked the Academy voting system is. But it happens every year. Yeah. But then this system of like critics in a in a cinema 
just like flashing when they want the film to be off. It's like lab rats, isn't it, or something? That's <laughs> or fucked. Like... <laughs> That's Jesus. so weird. And also, they just want certain film. That's weird. That's very weird. So that's why Hoop Dreams and Crumb weren't nominated because a bunch of impatient critics. It's too long. Too long. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Because now you get screeners and we still have the issue of like certain people not watching screeners or, you know, just voting for what they want to vote for without even seeing it. Yeah. Um, one person, uh, one Academy voter said they, they voted for 12 Years a Slave without even watching it. Um, I mean, there there are many factors, aren't there, that go into yeah. Academy, like campaigning is another one, like you need, yeah, you need a very strong campaign. Yeah. To, I don't know how much well, Hoop Dreams campaigned. I'm, but... I'm glad that Ebert, like, contested this. Yeah, yeah. Then the film got more popular and, you know, Yeah. more claim. I guess this, did this film just, I think it was mainly televised, it wasn't, mm. you know, in the cinema apart from It looked, it sounds like it was, it was a slow burn. Yeah, um... But yeah, I think mad. Roger Ebert, it was um, his top three of that year, I think, were Hoop Dreams, Rightfully so. Three Colours Red, and Pulp Fiction, I think. Oh, alright. That was like his top I've, three. I've of... still got the Three Colours trilogy to watch. It was either Three Colours Red or Three Colours Blue, I can't remember. But okay. those three films were like his top for 1994. Alright. Yeah. Well, in general, if you like, you know... A character study of America, uh, Americans trying to get the American dream, and if you are interested in basketball, want to know more about basketball, watch this film, because it is one of the best documentaries for a reason. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's great. <laughs> it is like a cornerstone documentary, isn't it? It's yeah. like everyone points to it as the greatest. I, remem- I remember hearing about it uh, at one point during film business when we were doing film business. Yeah, I think the. I first heard of it when I was watching this interview with uh, Sidney Lumet, the director, okay. and they asked him what his favourite film was of like the last 10 or 15 years, and this was like in the 90s, and he said Hoop Dreams was his, oh, wow. his favourite. Nice. Yeah. Which, I guess, it sounds weird to say that it's like odd he- hearing him saying that because it's a documentary, but like, mm. I don't think back then a lot of documentaries were considered fi- like films. The idea that documentaries are set like the genre of documentaries are separate to the idea of it being a film in total yeah we've had this discussion before yeah well i mean i said i I, what what i said before was that when you you judge them on different terms don't you because they're different forms of entertainment but i think they deserve equal merit as forms of entertainment especially narrative like documentaries yeah 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 and this is like this this does ha- is it like the people have arcs? This is genuinely but it, like yeah. Quite... In terms of mainstream popularity, I think fictional story films will always well have always been more popular, right? In in terms of mainstream audiences, haven't they? Because yeah, like, but that's what I'm saying. It's it's telling at the time that Sidney Lumet would say that. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. Film yeah. like a bunch of great fiction was out at that time, and yeah, Hoop Dreams was the number one. Yeah. For a very good reason, but yeah, yeah, one hundred percent recommend. You might have to sift through the internet to get it in terms of renting it, but it's worth it. If well, the date today is the twentieth. Movie still has it on there for now. If you're listening now, but you know, do you know how long it's still? I can check. Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, but yeah, if you listen to this in the future, it's probably gone. Unless Movie has put it in its library, which I wouldn't be surprised. Oh, they got Mulholland Drive on there. Nice. Hey, nice. I've got that on DVD. Um, yeah. Um, oh, I need to eat soon. <laughs> Have some Sorry. cashews. Have some cash. <laughs> Throw them through the screen. Because uh, <laughs> I've got a window open, Matt. I can only just see the corner view in my screen. <laughs> just so- this fuzzy cashew um it doesn't say how many days left but it's it's on there it's at the very bottom half so i'm sure it's got one two three four more days can you hear me chewing no okay um i'm sure i I, I don't know if the audience can no Um, it'll pick it up on my audio probably yeah um in general guys we'd love to hear your opinions on on the films that we've been talking about so like if you've just watched say hoop dreams do message us and talk about it and we can you know talk about it on the podcast next episode we'd love to hear your feedback mm. uh both on the podcast and on the films 
Um, and we would just want to say thank you uh, so much to the people that have been uh, buying films or renting films or streaming films as a result of listening to the podcast or even prepping for the podcast, depending on how you are with stuff being quote-unquote spoiled. And just again, just thank you so much for listening. I yeah. really... We it, we very appreciate it. We greatly so appreciate happy. it. Yeah, this is... Um, it's great. Yeah, like, just the idea of someone going, oh, these guys have talked about this film, Let, let's go check that out and mm. then listen to it, or let's listen to it and then through that, check it out. It, it just, yeah, again, makes me very, very happy. And I'm it makes me happy too. grateful. Yeah. Um, this has been a very chilled episode in terms of we're quite mellow today but <laughs> we, we did better than we thought i think because we were worried yeah. we wouldn't have enough to talk about and we filled the hour quite well yeah, there, you, there you go but um again these all these documentaries even though we didn't go into full detail there's i mean because of the subject matters but like there they are again 100 percent recommendations you know yeah we have had to tiptoe around them a bit but you'll see why if you watch them and your camera's gone joe my camera's gone. Your visual has gone. Oh. What? I can see me. I can't see you. Oh, dear. Well, uh, it's kind of like the universe telling us to shut the fuck up now. <laughs> the hours I up. don't know how it's going to be when I go back home. Oh, I see you again. There you go. For for listeners, um, we are on Google Hangout, not Discord, because Discord was too small mm. um, in terms of picture size. Um, we're on Google Hangout. We're recording our audio separately to make it sound like we're in the same room. Um, but... Once it gets to the Isle of Wight, I don't know how my internet is going to be. Um, we have Wi-Fi at home, but like, I don't, yeah, again, don't know how fast it is. But we'll, we'll, we'll figure we something out. see when we get there. Yeah. Um, when are you going back? Yeah, I'm going back early July. I just haven't figured a date out yet. Fair. Because the others are leaving soon, yeah, aren't they? Yeah, again, very soon. Early, early July, July, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think I'll be able to play any DVDs at home. Oh so, no, no. So That's quite it, sad. We will go for more stream streaming options. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think if we've played any what like watched any DVDs for the podcast. Yeah. Uh, yes, Akira. Akira was, was one. Uh, there might have been one that I chose that I have a, had a DVD of, and you might have had to buy. Let, let me just think. What was our last episode? Our last episode was Bogovi. That was all streaming. Then we did Blind Spotting. That was all streaming. Mainly streaming. Yeah. <laughs> As I'm saying that, I'm currently looking at my. Uh, I've got a mantelpiece with a bunch of VHSs. <laughs> <laughs> We've got The Matrix, Mulholland Drive, Elephant Man, Twin Peaks, Firewater <laughs> Means Dune, Blue Velvet, Wild at Heart, Lost Highway, and Return of the Jedi. Not going to be able to watch any of them because I don't have a VHS player. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why you did that. It's for the novelty. It's like I'm, such I'm, a a hip, I'm just a low key hipster. You are. You're such a film student, aren't you? It's like, oh, I'm going to buy things I can't use. Shut up. <laughs> I'm going to buy vinyls, I... but no record player. It's pronounced vinyl, my friend. There's no S. I have a record player back at home. I just need to set it up. Great. But every time I've bought records here, I've never been able to play them. I've also got a cassette player. Of course you do. Which. Genuinely, is quite nice for the novelty. So you've got VHSs, but no VHS player, and a cassette player, but no cassettes. (laughs) I've got a cassette. No, I've got cassette. You fool! All right, I've got got a cassette player. I I I think one time I listened to a Duke Ellington one, and it was great because it actually sounds like you're in the room. But (laughs) again, sounded like a fucking hipster. (laughs) (laughs) We hope you've enjoyed today's podcast, ladies and gentlemen. We do. Um, Yeah, it's. Watch more documentaries. Please do. I guess do. that's our yeah. main... Because, like, there is a tendency, again, to, like, not consider them film or consider them more TV or educational. But they can be um, entertaining as well. Yeah. Like... Listen to Sidney Lumet. Yeah? Where where was that clip of him saying... Oh, I can't remember. It was in an interview with, um... Oh, what's that, what's that guy called? Um... Oh, I... Oh, Yeah. I know who you're talking about, but I don't know his name. <laughs> Shit. Fuck. What's his name? <laughs> oh. Uh, I know. R- it, 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 it's like Roger or something. Not Roger, but... Fuck. Uh, no, we need to do this, because I can't just... Yeah, no, because it, it's one of these names where it's like... Let me type Sidney Lumet into you. I know who you're talking about. He's got a very, like, classic-looking face. Uh, 
Ah, uh, I can't. I've got both my <laughs> devices being used to do the thing. Wait, wait, wait. I was it. Uh, was it the first video you that? Have you got a device on you that you can use? Yeah, yeah I'm looking. I'm looking. Okay, just right type now. Sydney Lumet interview onto YouTube and then like yeah, uh, see if you can. Big. Yeah. Oh Jesus! Christ. It was quite What's a long one. Joe it was Pesci a long a video. Was it twenty three minutes fifty six seconds? Dude, I don't. I saw it years <laughs> ago. <laughs> oh no, the audio is playing. What's the name of the interviewer? I'm though? trying to find it. Oh, this is the guy. This is the guy. But I don't know what his name is. It doesn't say. <laughs> Stay tuned, listeners. Jesus. What is his name? It's... No. Charlie. 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 Charlie something. Ah, I'm just going to type up Charlie interviewer. Ah, because it said Charlie in the... Charlie Rose. Charlie Charlie Rose. Rose. That's it. That's who he is. Sorry, listeners. Got there in the end. He's like a classical... (laughs) He's a classic interviewer. He he interviewed Ebert, I think. Young PTA, Ebert, Tarantino. He's very good. Did me on that. Yeah. Yeah, he's... Yeah, watch any clips of those interviews. Charlie Rose. Thank you, Joe, for saving the day. (laughs) Yeah, that's that video is like 23 minutes, so I don't know which part you... I, I don't even know if that's the right video, if I'm being perfectly okay. honest, because I saw this like three years Charlie ago. Charlie Rose, But it's probably it, because it was a yeah. long interview with Sidney Lumet where he was talking about sort of the fall of culture due to the rise of television and his favourite okay. films. <laughs> and yeah, sorry, Owen. <laughs> that is the one. That is the, yeah, that is the one you're talking about, because I saw in the comment section real quick there. Yeah, the... but yeah, sorry, Owen. Wow. Television ruined films. <laughs> Shall we tell the audience what we're, or what our theme is for next episode? Yeah, can do. Cool. So, in celebration of the Five Bloods, uh, our next episode is going to be uh, all around Spike Lee. And yes. the Five Bloods will be one of those. We're not films. revealing what the other two are, though, just yet. That's why you haven't picked them yet. I have. You have. You well, have. yeah, oh, I've, yeah, I've got my choice. You we still can, need we to... can say two out of three. Well, no, we, we won't. We'll leave it as no? a surprise. Okay. Yeah, right. it'll be nice. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dearie me. But yeah, if you would like to, I've said this before, but if you want to see what we're watching, our letterboxed, Joe Film User, Clappy P. Yep. I can never say that seriously. <laughs> um, yeah, because uh, usually when we watch a film, we watch it straight away and then talk about it. But because of life, it's been a lot of breaks in between. But if you'd like to ke- keep up to date with what, what, what we're watching and, you know, kind of get early reviews depending on the film, um, mm. check us out there. Thank you very much for listening, guys. Thank you for your time. And um, I think that's, that's a wrap. wrap. Okay. <laughs> Shall I stop recording?